God's word. God's word is the key. I've come to that um, revelation, that understanding that without God's word, we can't make it. Amen. We can't do it. You know, you look at uh, across the board there. Uh, I've seen this thing where a, a minister was washing women naked. And he's saying that I, the pastor, I need to wash you so I can cleanse you. And he's cleaning these women. And when I saw that, I said, that's why we need the word. Because if we don't have the word, we're going to have erroneous teaching and incorrect doctrines. Yeah. And people believe anything. Not only that, we also need Pastor Maurice, our pastor, our pastoral staff, because we've been entrusted to pour the word into you. Amen. If we are, therefore, we are more valuable than we realize. We are the first defense in giving people the word of God. Amen. So I don't take this time lightly. Um, this is serious, serious, serious business. Well, we're going to begin. I was watching my, um, this week, I got a chance to watch our wedding video because our children never saw our wedding video before. And then watching it, yeah, it was amazing. Everybody's small. <laughs> I'm sorry, I didn't mean it. <laughs> Everybody was, <laughs> I was small, my wife was small. Um, everybody, I was like, wow. But then there was a song on the video um, that I listened to, I said, man, I got to find this song. So I went and got my old iPod. Many of you don't know what the iPod is. Some of you do. You do? Okay, okay. I got the iPod, the small one. <laughs> you age looked at me like, I know it. <laughs> uh, I got the small one. And then, um, interestingly, I found the first sermon that I ever preached. Wow. And, that, and that, the, it's funny, I was looking for that sermon. I didn't have the notes to it, but I was looking for it. And the first sermon I ever preached was because of God's great love. And I heard it and I said, wow, this is really good. And I can tell where I was a little bit amateurish, but throughout the thing, I can see, oh, wow, I really, really left, left an impression. And that's what the Lord has led me to speak about today, his love. So the title of my message today is Unfathomable Love. Excuse me if I don't pronounce that correctly. I, I hate this word, but it's a great word. Un, un, unfath, unfathomable Love. Thank you, Joanna. The reason why I called it this, because in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 4, this is the voice translation. The voice. Not the, first of all, let me read the New King James here. The New King James says this, But God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, uh, then the voice translation said, because, um, But God, with the unfathomable riches of his love and mercy, focused on us. And that word unfath, unfathomable, oh my God. Somebody say the word for me again. Unfat, un, listen, that's a good word. Thank you. Amen. As a child, I, I usually had trouble um, pronouncing words. It's something that comes from childhood. But anyway, that word means bottomless, hard to believe, difficult. Bottomless, hard to believe, difficult. If you take time to really, under, um, to really look at God's love, you will see that it's a little bit difficult to understand. It doesn't quite make sense that you will love a people who have rejected you. You love a people who you consider to be your enemies. You love a people that no matter what they do, the Bible says in Romans chapter 8 verse 39 that nothing can separate you from the love of God. No depth, no height, nothing created can separate you from the love of God. You know, if you're in a relationship that's long distance, there's a possibility in a long-distance relationship with your significant other, love may grow cold. God is saying that no matter how far you are, no matter how far you have gone away, 
There's nothing that's going to separate my love from you. I'm always going to love you. I'm always going to be with you. We then find the problem is, as Amos chapter 3 verse 3 says, can two walk together unless they agree? The problem is many people do not agree with the love of God. How can God love me after all that I've done? How can God still be with me when I was unfaithful? Why would God want to use somebody like me? In addition to that, we have doctrines in the body of Christ where they're telling people things that make them think that God does not love them, God hates them, or God is is displeased. And when it comes to the body of Christ, God does not hate his body. Neither is he displeased with his body. The Bible says... Uh, when it's talking about marriage, it does something powerful in the book of Ephesians chapter 5. It, um, Paul says this, um, wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. All the wives say amen. amen. You know, it, it, it's good to submit, by the way. Hey, listen, as a wife, you don't got to worry about that responsibility of leadership. Amen? amen? You can just sit back and relax and let your husband lead you, but let him lead. Amen. <laughs> we make it hard sometimes, but I would encourage the wife to submit. But then it says um, for uh, verse, this is uh, Ephesians chapter five, verse 22 to 33. There's a point I want to bring out about how God feels about his body, how Jesus feels about his body. Uh, let me read down to 25. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her. That's a hard, hard scripture. But by God's grace, a husband can do it. But he's saying to love your wife, no matter what takes place, you're going to love her. You're going to be there for her. You're going to help her. You're going to love your wife. And I love what it says down. It goes on. I'm gonna, I don't want to go too much into this. I'm going to touch on it later. But it says here that um, for, uh, in verse 29 of chapter 5, For no one ever hated his own flesh but nourishes and cherishes just as the Lord does the church. So when God sees you, he does not hate you because you are part of his body. It wouldn't make sense, right? It goes into saying, does anybody hate their own flesh? Do you find people, I mean, you find people trying to kill themselves, but would you, do you think the Lord's going to kill himself? He wouldn't do that. The Lord wouldn't smoke and drink and take all types of things that would damage his body. But he nourishes and cherishes. Now, how does he nourish and cherish it? He does it through the fivefold ministry. That's why in Ephesians, 5, Ephesians chapter 4, it talks about the role of the prophet. The, I mean, the apostle, the prophet, the evangelist, the pastor, the teacher. They're there to feed the word, to build up the body, to be, to be presented at a glor- as a glorious church. So this tells us the mind of Christ about the church. The church is glorious. The church is amazing. The church is wonderful. Yeah, I know they may not be doing everything I ask them to do, but the way I see them, I see them holy. I see them perfect. This is my body. I mean, do you really look at your body in the mirror and curse it? Honestly, if you do that, let's let's, let's get some help for you. Amen. But really, do you look at your body and curse it? You love your body. You walk around. I mean, it may not be all that you want it to be, but I'm sure you love your body. But that's how Jesus feels about the church. So this is why the love of God is bottomless. It's difficult. Like, what is this? And this, let me, I, wanna, I wanna say this to you. God's love, it, the love of God, is really not meant to be understood. It's meant to be believed. It's meant to be received. Too many times we're going into human reasoning about God's love, even the whole God nature, God himself. This is why I would never argue with an atheist or a scientist who doesn't know God, because I know it requires faith to believe in him. It's not something about 
one plus one is two. No, it's more than that. God is something to be believed in. He's existence itself. And it makes sense because no one here has seen God at any time. Have we seen God? Has anybody seen God face to face? And we're, yet we're believing in something we have never seen. You see how that works? So when it comes to walking with God, we're walking with God and accepting his love, you have to believe it. You have to believe he loves you. And I believe today, but when it's church, God wants you to believe it. Because let me tell you something, this affects everything. I was on a phone call just on this past Friday. Um, somebody invited me to uh, uh, abuse women who have been abused um, by their husbands or boyfriends. I'm on a phone call and the police officer comes in to tell us some things. But he said, yeah, the victim, he said, I'm sorry, it's not a victim, it's a survivor. He's a perpetrator, he's a survivor. And I said, he kept saying it over and over. I meant to ask him, I didn't get it, but I kind of understood what he was doing. Because he mentioned it a little bit, we want the person to know you are a survivor. Now, why would the world do that? Because they're trying to put something in the mind of a woman. I want you, they want you to see your surface a subway. Don't think you're a victim and you're weak and you can't do nothing for yourself. But see yourself as a survivor, one who can fight back and one who can pull yourself out of the situation. Now, I say all that because if the world is able to grasp that concept of how you think and how you see yourself, how much more the church. Amen. So when I'm talking about the love of God, I want you to leave here today knowing, understanding that God loves you. Not asking why he loves you. That's a dumb question to ask. Amen. <laughs> you really take time to think about it. It's dumb to ask that question. Know for sure that he loves you. And I'm going to break down throughout the scriptures, throughout my, um, the revelation of the Holy Spirit, why and how God loves you. Amen. Amen. This is going to be a great service today. Um, the point number one is this. His new reality. His new reality. When I say his, I'm talking about God's new reality for you. Uh, in Ephesians 5, where it talks about, I'm sorry, Ephesians chapter 2. Let me read it to you, because I know that we are a studious people, and we love the word of God. I couldn't use my phone because it would have messed up the recording, so I just wanted to... Um, Ephesians chapter 2, did I print it? Oh, sure. Uh, okay, I'm, I'm sorry. Okay, um, we're, one to seven. I got it. Thank you. So it says this, right? It says that, um, and you he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sin. He's talking to the church. At one point, you were the walking dead. You were considered the real zombies. Amen? In which you once walked according to the course of the world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience. So at one point you were children of disobedience. That means that you're born to, you were born to disobey. You weren't thinking about God. You weren't, maybe you had some type of thought of him, but you weren't really focused on him because of what was inside of your sinful nature. Among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind. That's why this, you hear about a child it said the desires of the flesh and of the mind. Uh, I read an article about a child who stabbed another child, and they asked him why he did it. He said, I kept hearing voices. That's the desires of the flesh and of the mind. Sometimes you will hear thoughts, and they're not yours, but they're demons telling you to do something. 
This is why as a believer, you can never receive you, those thoughts as, as your reality. You have to see, receive his reality. And it says here, and we were by nature children of wrath, just as the others. By nature, you were headed to hell. But God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love for which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved and raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. So his new reality for you is you're no longer dead. You're alive. That's, it's so important that you catch this for yourselves. Because I, I'm listening to a message yesterday, and it's not a slight to anyone. I was listening to a message about being damaged by a well-known a minister. And I said, man, this is good, man. I, I like this. But I'm listening to it, and I'm like, scripturally, that's not correct. We're not damaged. Based on what I just read to us, right? I said, it says here, um, um, even when you were dead, he made you alive. I mean, how many English majors we have here? This word made alive seemed like it's present tense, correct? Am I right or am I wrong? I want to make sure. It says we're dead. So it's past tense, right? So you were dead in sin. You were walking in evil. You, were, you did have the incorrect mindset at one point. But now that you're in Christ, you've been given a new reality. You, you, you catch that? And why this is important? Because many times believers are still struggling with sin because they still see themselves the old way. And until they see themselves with his new reality, this is why the Bible, I love chapter James, I mean, James chapter 1, verse, eight, um, verse 23 to 25. For if anyone that hear of the word and not a doer, he's like a man observing his natural face in a mirror. Now, why would it put mirrors there? Because the word of God is like a mirror and it shows you who you truly are. And then I love, look, look how it ends here. It says, um, for he observes himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. But he who looked into the perfect law of liberty, not the, liberty of, not the law of Moses, not the law of condemnation, the law of freedom, the law of love, and continues in it. He's not a forgetful hero, but he's a doer of the work. So what's happening is people are forgetting who they truly are. So they continue to struggle. They continue to fight. They continue to wrestle. Why are you wrestling? You don't need to wrestle with sin any longer. You're now alive in Christ Jesus. You've been delivered. You've been set free. That's his new reality for you. Uh, thank God for our cultures and our nationalities. But the best reality that's going to save you is what he says about you. Listen, if we're being persecuted, nobody cares if you're Jamaican. Amen? There's nothing wrong with Jamaicans. I love Jamaicans. Nobody cares if you're Haitians. I love Haitian food. Nobody cares if you're black American or you're Republican. It will not work. What's going to work? I'm in Christ Jesus. God is with me. I'm born again. I'm righteous. My heart is pure. My heart is clean. This is not my opinion. This is what the word teaches. He said you were made alive. You're, you're, but you're no longer the walking dead. This is why sometimes we think it's us, but there's a glow on, 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 on all of us, actually. It's not just good age. There's a glow on the believer. This is why when you go sometimes, there's something different about you. Oh, I like you. People are drawn to you because of that glow, because you once were the walking dead. You once were not alive. You once were a child of disobedience. Now you are a child of obedience. That's why it's easy for you to look at the world and say, that's not correct, and obey God. But if you still think, as you're, you're old, if you still see yourself the old way, it's going to be difficult to walk in this reality. And you have to see yourself in a new reality. Um, there's a man by the name of Pastor Ronald Reagan. Oh, my God, this story is so beautiful. At the age of 12, 
he grew up in Tennessee. And, and I, 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 I'm, I'm telling you this story to bring out the point of you being in a new reality. I mean, you being his new reality. I'm living in his new reality. At the age of 12, he grew up very poor in Tennessee. His father's a drunkard. His father's abusive, abusive beating the mom, beating him. It was bad. I mean, as a little child, he walked in fear. One day, he's on his way to school. He meets a widow, a woman, who says, here goes a lamb. This lamb became his best friend. 12 years old, so the same way you get a dog or a cat, he has this lamb. And he played with the lamb every day after school. One day, he comes home. He can't find the lamb. He's looking for the lamb. While he's looking for the lamb, he hears his father going through this fitful rage, yelling, screaming. So he's, okay, I'm about to get another beating. Let me, let me, let me stay away from my dad. Um, his dad is fixing the car. He walks all the way around the car. There's his lamb covered in blood. He said, at that moment, this, t- this story is so touching. It's so touching. At that moment, he said, every feeling left except for the feeling of hatred and anger. He said, I, didn't, he said, he said, I no longer felt fear. I said, I didn't feel anything but hatred and anger. I ran away from home, and that became his life. He ended up living a life of crime, fighting. I mean, his life was so, I mean, you know what they say, you're about that life? Every friend he had died a horrific death. Whether they got, they got their heart blown out, whether they died in car accidents, these guys were robbers, drunkards, thieves, drug dealers. That's all they did because of what happened to him, he entered into this lifestyle. Well, one day, and he, he's, a, he's a fighter, he's a brawler. At the age of 15, they put him in an adult prison. So you can imagine um, the type of training he's going through. Um, uh, uh, unconscious, um, subconsciously, I'm going through, going through that. And um, at the age of 25, he's now married. He has three kids, and um, he he doesn't care. He he'll fight you. He said that he actually he said that he used to look for police officers to fight them because um, they represented authority, and the authority he saw in them was similar to his father. So I'm gonna take my anger out on you. I can't take my anger on my father. I'm taking it out on you. Anyway, he gets to the, a convenience store with his five-year-old son. And then the, there's, a, there's a swinging door that goes like this. A man comes, they both pushed against the door. And you know what happens. So egos flare up. He's like, man, forget that. He knocks the guy out. The guy falls back into a bunch of glass bottles. Now, um, Pastor Ron Reagan said something he didn't know about this man was that this man had just came out of prison for cutting people up. He, he was a man to just cut people. Anyway, he falls on the floor. That man picks up the bottle, and he's stabbing Ronald, um, Pastor Ronald Reagan. He's blocking, but in stabbing him, he hits right here, the artery. That's a, you get cut here, it's a wrap. You know what I mean? But he's still fighting, and blood is all over the floor. The convenience clerk said, yo, stop fighting. You're going to die if you don't get to a hospital. And he looks. He's like, I don't care. And, and the, guy, the guy who he's fighting was like, stop. That's, he's not going to make it. Let me take you in your car, and I'm going to drive you to the hospital. He's losing blood. He's going in and out of consciousness. Finally, he gets to the hospital, and he blacks out, but he can hear the voices. And they're telling, they're saying, his wife got, got to the hospital and said, saying to him, to her, he's not going to make it. We're going to have to cut the arm off because we can't help him here. We got to send him 12 hours away. Yo, this story gets crazy. He gets in the ambulance. They're driving to the other hospital that can possibly save him. The, the man, the paramedic is in there. He said, listen, you're in big trouble. You need to call in the name of the Lord. He said, oh, blah, blah. He just, he's cursing. He said that because I didn't understand anything, I'm raging out. I'm going to hit the guy. 
The guy says again, and he also, he said this, he said they weren't supposed to do that. As paramedics, they weren't allowed to share their faith. But he said, for some reason, the man shared it. He said, listen, you need to call on the Lord. All of a sudden, he said the ambulance exploded. exploded. Nothing but fire. He said, he's excited, he's like, what's going on? Got my arm cut, the, the ambulance explodes. He said, what is going on here? And he said, for the first time, he felt the fear he never felt before. And his body's up, and now he's descending. He opens his eyes, he's going down to the mouth of a volcano. We know he's going into hell, basically. And he's going, 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 going. And he said, as he's going, he said the worst thing of it all, the worst, he said, it wasn't the flames. It wasn't uh, the pain. He said the atmosphere was void of something. And he said that all you could feel, depression, oppression, he said, and loneliness. He said a type of feeling I cannot compare. He said it was so scary, like, where am I? But then he sees the faces of all his friends who died. He sees them. And the reason why I'm telling this story, it's about a new reality. And they're like, go back, Ron, go back, don't come here. You're not going to be able to leave if you stay here. Go back, go back. And he wakes, up, he wakes up into the hospital bed. His wife is there. His wife is talking to him, but he's just like, he's looking, he's looking like, what the heck just happened? He doesn't understand it. Now, at this point, he's now questioning life because he said, at this point, I now realize there's something more to life than what we're realizing. I saw another reality. I need to know what's going on. And his wife finally gets to church. She gets saved at the church. She invites him to church. He comes to the church. She invites him one night. And the pastor says, let me give you John chapter, I forgot the scripture about the Lamb of God. And immediately his, his antennas went up like lamb because that's what his, that was his pet. Long story short, he gave his life to Christ. And he said immediately the hatred left him, the anger, and he felt love. He said he felt so much remorse. And when you see him, he's such a soft-spoken guy. You would never think a guy like that came from that, came from that type of lifestyle. But what took place is that he accepted this new reality that he's living in. Never again beat his wife, got his master's degree, traveling the world, preaching. I mean, the, and when you hear him talk, me and my wife would listen to him, you could feel genuine love coming from him. He was really affected by the love of God. And this is why it's so important, as you're sitting here, you have to accept his new reality for you. You are loved. You are loved. You are loved. He said, for I so loved the world that I gave my begotten son. So that tells us love gives. We'll get to that. But you have to remember this reality. Arnold Schwarzenegger, this has nothing to do with love, but I want to point out something that I saw a documentary of him, and he said something that whatever my mind saw, I knew I can become. Arnold Schwarzenegger, as you know, conquered three realms, bodybuilding, acting, and he was a governor. He said, whatever my mind saw, I knew I can have it. That tells us how important our minds are. We have to push and practice to see what God sees for us. We cannot see what, take what we see on the TV and accept it as our reality. We cannot see reality TV and say, yeah, that looks cool. I want that same lifestyle. We have to accept how God sees us. That is what, that's what's going to sustain us. That's what's going to keep us. You trying to live something other than what God called you to do, it leads nothing to the, it, it's going to lead in the end to disaster. Wow. If you don't see yourself healed, you're not going to be healed. You think billionaires are seeing themselves as poor? You tell a billionaire, come, let's go to the Holiday Inn. 
I don't see myself living like that. I'm going <laughs> to go over here. No, but think about it. You, you know, if naturally speaking, this is how we are. Let's put Pastor Meeks and put him in the fifth grade. He needs to go to fifth grade school again. Hillary, are you crazy? Can, you, can, can, can anybody come and even parent you right now? Because you don't see yourself as a child anymore. So we know this naturally. Why don't we practice this spiritually? You see that? Think about it, right? I listened to um, 50 Cent. I, I like him only because of how he's, um, his level of success. But I'm talking about, we're talking about new reality. He said that I knew in order to go to this, a certain status in life, I had to change the way I think. And he began to work on himself. He said that there were times where after we went to the club, I went to the hotel, I'm reading contracts. I'm reading scripts. I'm just, I didn't want women. I didn't want drugs. I didn't want nothing. I just wanted to focus on changing my mindset. So I read and read and read and read until I got that reality. And that's why you have to take the word of God and read it till it becomes your reality. You got to take what God says about you. Not what, and, and this is so important because I'm, I, what I would love for you to do when you go home today, go and search this in the Bible. You'll find it in the Bible how much God loves humanity. He loves humanity, but most importantly, he loves those who have said yes to Jesus Christ. You have to remember this. Amen? Amen. Say, this is my new reality. This is my new reality. The reality that God loves me. He'll never stop loving me. He'll never stop being merciful to me. His compassion and love towards me is for life. The Bible says that because of lawlessness, the love of many will grow cold. But God's heart for you, his love for you will never, ever grow cold. This is something that you can rely on and look to and depend on. I don't care how many mistakes you made. He said, nothing created can separate you from me, my love for you. I'm never going to abandon you. I'm never going to forsake you. And many times, if you don't see this, oh my God, if you don't see this for yourself, it's going to be difficult to walk with God. God's not going to be you walking with God. Oh, I'm unworthy. I'm feeling bad. He's like, what is this? I died for your sins. Where the unworthiness coming from? He's not going to, the Bible says Enoch walked with God. He must have understood something. David, I love the story of David because of the, uh, Philist, the, when they were fighting um, Goliath, the Philistines said, Goliath said, you are the servants of Saul and I'm a Philistine. Come out, choose a man for yourself. We're going to fight right now. They were all afraid. David comes on the scene and he makes a completely different confession. He says, we are the servants of God and you are an uncircumcised Philistine. David saw himself differently from all the servants of Saul. Wow. And he used that to fight. Now, what that tells us this, that how you think is a matter of life and death. Yes. Wow. Think about that wow. now. Really take time to, to ponder that. How we think is a matter of life and death. Amen. If you search the scriptures, some people had revelation of God's love. Some people did not have revelation of God's love. Some people did not, they didn't understand it, so they never entered into what God had for them. Don't let that be your story. Yeah. Take what I'm saying to you and believe God loves you. This is, the, this, this is how you're going to succeed. Because God loves me, I'm going to go out there and conquer. God is with me. God loves me so much that he will cause circumstances of racism to work in my favor. God loves me so much that though an employer is trying to keep me back, God will remove them and exalt me and elevate me. God loves me so much. I mean, I've heard stories of Christians who have been paid less than 
And when they found out, they sued, and they got a whole lot of money for that. Amen. A lot of believers go through that. You'd be surprised. So how we think about ourselves is important. We have to see ourselves as the reality he has spoken over us and chosen for us. Amen. You have to see yourself. Many times, people go through abusive relationships in cycles because they yet don't know the revelation of how worthy they are. They yet don't understand how great they are. So they continue to go through a cycle of being abused, continue to go through a cycle of being paid less. I mean, look how many of these young kids who, who become rappers, and because they don't know their value or understand things, they're accepting peanuts. And they just see themselves, I'm just a rapper, instead of saying, no, no, you're actually a businessman or a businesswoman who's here to make money. It's, it's so important that you see yourself. So we, now we have certain rappers who are uh, now representing the have and the have-nots because of how they see themselves. Yeah. And I'm giving you all these natural examples to show you how important this is because you can apply it to the scriptures. You have to see yourself as loved. You have to see yourself as beautiful. You have to see yourself as awesome. Amen? Um, uh, excuse me. Never again use paper. <laughs> no, just a little bit, you know. So um, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 22 to verse 23, it talks about how he sees the church. And once again, he does not hate the church. For no one ever hated, in verse 29, for no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes just as the Lord does the church. So the Lord does not hate the church, for we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. You see that? Yes, and then, um, so, yeah, so this goes into my next thing, because my, my next point, because interestingly, um, God used marriage to explain or to show us how he feels about the church. He used a relationship to show us how he feels about the church. This goes to, to my next point where relationship is his purpose. Relationship is his purpose. Some of you have asked the question, why was I created? The answer is simple. You were created for a relationship. Wow. That's the first. And there's other things that you were created for. You were created to give thanks, to worship, to work, to take over to um, have dominion, but let's not talk about that right now. Let's talk about relationship right now. You were created to have a relationship with God. That's it. How do we know this? Because you were made in his image and likeness. Can you relate to a dog? I know a lot of people think dogs are their best friend, right? Emotional, that's, that's cool, that's fine. But real relationship comes with the face-to-face, -face. the eye-to-eye, the nose-to-nose. Pause, right? <laughs> I want to make sure I know how you guys are, right? But, <laughs> but, <laughs> but no, but seriously, it comes with the faith. That's why the Bible says us, this is great, and you're going to understand. Okay, in Genesis chapter 2, verse 7. So before I say that, God is not your affiliate, neither is he your associate. He is your friend. Jesus said it well in John chapter John, oh my God, John chapter 15, uh, John chapter 15, on uh, the verse I deleted by accident. He said, no longer, this is Jesus talking, no longer do I call you servants, for a servant does not know what his master is doing, but I've called you friends. For all things that I've heard from my father, I have made, to you, I made known to you. So you are now a friend of God, but you are, that was the original purpose, to be friends with God. That's why you are made an image and likeness. So God makes Adam and the Bible says he breathed. Now, if you don't take time to think about it, you think he was up there and he blew air down there and then Adam woke up. That's not what took place. 
He's with Adam face to face and he breathed. That means the moment Adam woke up, the first thing he sees is God. Relationship. That is in itself. There's a lot to unpack there. If you really take time to meditate on that. The first thing Adam sees is God. First thing. Because of relationship. And then the Bible goes on to say how he took him, put him in a garden. And then he brings all the animals to Adam to see what he would name them. So he's there with Adam. Yo, look at this, man. What are you going to call that? I'm going to call that a lion. Oh, that's cool. That's good. They're actually communing. They're hanging out together. Because that was the original intention for, for, for Adam. This is why... What does the Bible say? The Bible says in chapter 3, God was walking in the garden. Where are you? Why are you hiding? This is not, we're cool. What you, what you need to hide for? What, what, what's happening? There's no, you, you naked. I know you naked. Which, why are you hiding for? You were created naked. So what you, what do you, need, you don't need to hide from me. But the Bible says Adam was hiding. And what the Bible says here in Genesis chapter 3, and he said, I was afraid, I was naked, and then that's when God began to talk to him. I mean, God was looking for him. But that's his original intention and purpose was for relationship. That's why he wants to walk with you. That's why he wants to work with you. There's a man um, uh, by the name of Matt McPherson. Um, there's a book called Dreaming with God by Bill Johnson. It's an awesome, awesome book. It's called Dreaming with God. Unfortunately, they changed the title and they changed some things about it. But I got the original copy. So if you want it. Huh? Or they didn't change it back? Or they, they should because it's a great book. But in this book, Bill Johnson was teaching something. He said this as a quote. He said, God would love to use our imagination to paint his impression upon. He just looks for those who are yielded. However, those who are preoccupied with not being worthy are too self-centered to be trusted with much revelation. That's what Bill Johnson said. So there was this man by the name of Matt McPherson, and he caught this revelation of how much God loves him. And it's amazing. He, he, he is known to be a worshiper, a seeker of God. So uh, he, and, um, if you understand, if you, Matt McPherson, he's known to make uh, a, uh, the world's best archery bows and also some of the most expensive guitars. Like the cheapest guitar is probably like $3,000, McPherson guitars. You can look it up and you have a chance. But um, he's seeking God out because he understands God loves him. He's seeking God for an idea. I need an idea that's going to revolutionize the, the, the archery business, that's going to revolutionize things. And he's seeking God. He's seeking God. And three in the morning, he wakes up and expended in the air is a white sheet of paper. And he looks at the paper and he begins to draw out and write. And his wife wakes up like, what are you doing? He said, I'm having a vision. God has given me the, the Pacifics or the idea for a new bow. He takes that idea and he literally changes the archery business. He changed it. Becoming a multimillionaire. I mean, he said he had over 60 patents. I mean, but, but what, what, what took place? The man understood that he's in a relationship with God. He understood how much God loves him. This is why it's so important that you do your best not to live a sinful lifestyle. Let me tell you why you shouldn't live a sinful lifestyle. Because it will play with your mind. What do I mean by that? If you're living in sin, you're automatically going to think you're not good enough. God don't like me. Why even try? Or why should I? You, you, you heard the stories of your, from friends and family. Why should I pray? It's not like he's listening to me. 
yeah, I don't feel good. You know, I messed up yesterday. Nah, I'm just going to chill out. I'm not going to continue anymore with it. And this is why, one of the reasons why God is saying stay away from that type of lifestyle. Because it's going to mess with your mind. Satan's going to come and he's going to ride you. You bum, loser. You just messed up last night. Don't even think about going to church this morning. Stay your butt home. You don't go nowhere. Stay there in isolation. Matter of fact, here's depression. And next, in a few more years, we're going to have you committing suicide. We, we, we say, oh, that can never be me. But, but that, the Bible says that sin eventually leads to death. Something's going to die. Something, some way, somehow, will eventually die in your life. And that's Satan's goal, to separate, to get you to run from God. Because he know I can't get God. Oh, my God. There's a story in the Bible that's very powerful. Um, this story is about um, Prophet Balaam. Is it Balaam? Balaam. Sorry, Balaam. Hey, not, not really? Oh, why are you doing that? Oh, what you doing, man? <laughs> I should have known, right? Instead of asking him. That was good. So Prophet Balaam, they wanted, they wanted uh, uh, there was another nation. I, don't, I forgot the name, but it's in the book of Joshua. They wanted Balaam to curse the children of Israel. Balaam said, I can't curse them. And the guy comes back, I'll give you money. He said, I can't do it. But if you study the story out carefully, Balaam said, okay, I can't curse them, but this is what I can tell you to do. Get them to worship idols. Get them to live in sin. And doing that, they're going to separate themselves from God. The blessing will depart, and from there, God will, there from there, you can be able to attack them. Now, that's Old Covenant now. The New Covenant, the blessing doesn't depart from you, but in the Old Covenant. But herein lies the plan of the enemy. You see that? To get you to stop coming to church. To get you to walk away from your spiritual friends and just, I'm going to do this because I don't feel I'm adequate enough to continue. So I'm just going to give up. That's the plan of the enemy. To eventually, if you study it very carefully, you can live in sin for so long, you begin to question your faith. A lot of people don't know that. It will happen eventually. I've been there before. What's the point? Is God really real? Christian, this Christian messing up, I'm messing up. This stuff ain't real. Nah, I'm good, man. Oh, that looks good over there. Let me go check out Buddha. <laughs> no, this, this is what's happening with a lot of people. And this is why God is encouraging you, pushing you, imploring you, yes. uh, uh, pulling on you. Come live the way I want you to live. You see that? Because we have a relationship with each other. Our, our relationship is sacred. It's holy. It's all that matters to me. This is why David said, when I think about everything that's been created... What is man that you are mindful of him? And the next verse, the son of man that you visit him. This tells us that all of us here are experiencing the visitations of the Lord one way or another. It may not be something where you see a, uh, uh, like that guy did, he saw the ambulance exploding or uh, you made an open vision. But some way, somehow, you're going to experience God's visitation. God's going to come through a dream. For me, I used to hear knocks. When I'd be in my room, I used to hear loud knocks. And at the time, I didn't know what it was. I was like, what is that? And I studied the word. I found out Jesus knocks at your heart. And I'll just hear it, and I'll go into prayer. But I didn't do the best with that, though. But anyway, um, um, yeah, I, I, if I, I, I've now learned that when God comes to you, do your best to enter into it. Cause some, immediately, right? Because sometimes it could be, he could lead you into an idea. He could lead you into, yo, like my mother. One time, I felt led to pray for my mother. Felt led to pray for it. Thank God I listened. She, after prayer, immediately, I think within a minute or two minutes after prayer, she called me up. Hey, guess what happened? I'm walking down the street. 
And this man is walking. I got my purse. My, 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 my mother is like 70-something years old. And I, I clutch my purse, and he sees me, and he pushes me against the car. Boom, like that. And he just left. I said, yeah, Mom, I'm not surprised. I was praying for you. I felt led to pray for you. So sometime when God visits you, I want to show you something. I want to talk to you about something. Come, let's talk about something. Let's talk about your mother who I see she's not eating the best. Go encourage her to eat well so her life doesn't end short. Let's talk about, listen, the economy is being shaken right now, and there's going to there's gonna be an opportunity to make some money. Come over here and look at this opportunity so you can make some money. This is why relationships, we have to value our relationship with the Lord. We cannot overlook it. We cannot see it as oh, too busy or something as, ah, uh, it, it's not that big of a deal. No, it is the best relationship to have. He's not going to judge you. He's, remember, Adam was naked. Adam was the one that, he was the one that ran and hid. It wasn't God that told him to hide. He ran and hid. I'm naked. I've got to hide. So this shows us how God already sees us. You see that? He does not see us as, I know the world has their definition of ugly and stuff like that. Some of you may say, yeah, they're right. But God doesn't, God doesn't see people ugly. No, really, think about it. God don't see people ugly. That come, that's an earthly, earthly term. In heaven, no one is ugly. You see that? You got um, 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 alien, or not aliens, angels with eyes all around their, their faces and heads. You'd be like, what is that? That's hideous. They're like, that's not hideous. To God, nothing is ugly. And watch this. Uh, I'll give you another story of hell. Bill Weiss, he was another man who went to hell. He went to hell for 23 minutes. He said when he got to hell, he was inside this dungeon. He said it was dark. He said, but he could, he could um, by the spirit, there were demons there. He said the demons hated him so much. Do you know why the demons hated him? They hated him because he looked like God. And they said, we can't get to him. We're going to get to you. He said they hated him with a passion. They said he'll rip, they'll rip his flesh out. They'll tear, tear his bones apart. He said everything will grow back. But he said you could feel the hatred and evil towards humanity. And that's what it is. Satan hates you because you have a relationship, a redemptive relationship with God. And you have to do your best to agree with him and walk with him. The Bible says this, and um, um, you guys know the story of David and Bathsheba. David stole Bathsheba, hijacked Bathsheba from the, from the guy Uriah. You got some men out here, they, they looking to take your wife, man. Crazy out here. But thank God for the loyal wives. Amen? Who, 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 any loyal wives out here? Wait, you, you raise your hand kind of like, you got to raise that hand. What's going on? Hey, raise that hand higher. Amen. What's going on? <laughs> nah, nah. I know my wife is loyal. Uh, sometimes she tells me stories of men talking to her. And I'm like, man, listen, don't pay that guy no mind, man. You know? <laughs> and, and, you know, and let me tell you something. Uh, it's good to be, to my relationship, it's good to be, I realize. As a young child, I didn't see it, but it's good that when your wife, spouse tells you everything. I used to look like, why, why are you telling me everything? But I said, that's, a, that's actually a good thing, actually. Because I didn't see that growing up. You know what I mean? I saw, you know, more, you do your thing. But uh, I said, wow. So she tells me every encounter she has. And that's, a, that's, that's signs of trust. Amen? Yes. All right, but, but look at this about Solomon. So uh, 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 David and Bathsheba are from an adulterous affair. David eventually mar married Bathsheba. And then, he, um, the Bible says, then David comforted Bathsheba, his wife, went into her and lay with her, so she bore a son. He called his name Solomon. Now the Lord loved him. That's, first, that's um, 2 Samuel chapter 12. The Lord loved Solomon. Mm -hmm. 
Then you go into 1 Kings chapter 3, um, um, verse 3, and Solomon loved the Lord, walking in the statue of his father David, except that he sacrificed and burned incense at the high places. So Solomon, I mean, David and, yeah, David, I mean, Solomon and the Lord had a good relationship. It was something that was good. It said that he loved Solomon, Solomon loved him back. So you now know what your responsibility is. You have to love the Lord back. Amen? Amen. Don't just take, 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 take. Pray, pray. Oh, mercy, mercy, mercy. No, 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 no. <laughs> love the Lord back. I love you, Lord. I love you, God. I never seen you before, but I still love you, Lord. I believe you are real. Amen? <laughs> and the Bible said because of that, um, Solomon, um, because he has this love for God, he says, God, these are your people. I need wisdom. I need understanding to lead them. God bless them. But we see... Solomon started so well, he, um, based on history, based on the Bible, he brought Israel um, through a glorious stage. And the Bible says, but, B-U-T, he loved many foreign women. And just like that, and, you, as you, and God once said, if you go for the foreign woman, they're going to pull your heart away from me. And I don't want to be in a battle. I'm a jealous God. I don't, want you, I, don't want us, I don't want us to be fighting, you know what I mean? You belong to me. There's nothing to fight over. I'm a God. You're a man. You submit. You yield. I give you. I bless you. I help you. There, there shouldn't be a, a, a struggle. The Bible says Solomon struggled, and eventually he turned his heart from the, away from the Lord. He began to worship other idols. I say all that because never allow anything to pull your affection away from him. Never allow anything to lie to you about how God sees you and feels about you. Amen? God sees you as his friend. He sees you as his lover. Amen? Say that again? Oh, I'm sorry. Okay. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's so important that we see this. The more we see, wow, the more we see that, um, the more we're going to um, walk in that. And the last point I want to bring to you, um, number three, um, for some strange reason, the printer left out what I had wrote out. But it's about need. Uh, uh, I will have to. Uh, I, 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 when we get, when we when we give out the sermon notes, the correct point will be there. But it's about your needs. It's about your needs, and this comes from First John. Wow, it, it took a lot out. Okay, in First John chapter three, I believe he said, "By this we know love, because he laid down his life for us." We also ought to lay down our lives for the brethren or for, for the brothers and sisters in Christ. But whoever has this world's goods and sees his brother in need and shuts up his heart from him, how does the love of God abide in him? Based on this scripture, God's love should help you or should lead you, should motivate you to take care of of your needs or take care of your brothers and sisters needs in Christ but if God's love is able to do is God's love is able to motivate a man to take care of his brother's needs how much more God's love is towards you yeah. God's love is to take care of your needs now this is what the Lord one thing the Lord wants you to catch we're not talking about paying bills you all know how to pay your own bills you do right I see it's quiet <laughs> I know that there should be like an amen, like we, we got our bills paid, right? Amen? amen. No, but no, but seriously, you all know, we're not, um, it, 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 if you go to God for paying your bills, it's fine. 
But God is so much bigger than that. Amen. Uh, uh, the Lord will want you to come to him. Hey, I, need a, I have a need for a venture capitalist um, partnership, Lord. And I need you to bring me into contact with men and women who have great resources so I can start my business. The Lord will want you to bring your need to him that, Lord, I'm looking, I'm seeing people make money in options. I'm seeing making money in stocks. I need you to bless me with uh, a stock quote or, a, I mean, a stock, a stock ticker so I can buy the option and make money. That's what God, those are the type of needs God, are expect, God is expecting from us. How do we know this? Because he said when he created us, he gave us dominion. So in order to have dominion, there has to be a buying and selling. There has to be an exchange of ideas. There has to be a networking going on. If we are still relegating God to small needs, we are missing it. Wow. Now, watch this. This is very powerful about needs. Um, the Bible says that Jesus Christ was slain before the foundation of the world. Yes. So before you needed help, before you thought about committing suicide, before you went through your depression, Jesus Christ was thought about before the foundations of the world. Jesus Christ is not a new idea. The Bible says he was thought about, he was planned, he was formed. Even your existence comes before the foundation of the world. He told Jeremiah, before you were formed, before your mommy and daddy got it going on, you know what I mean? Amen? Okay. I see some of you guys looking at me. I got I to gotta get your attention wake up here. Amen? You, you sleeping too? <laughs> um, but, but, but before your parents got, your grandparents got it going on, before your ancestors got it going on, you were, I'm sorry, Mia. I, I apologize. <laughs> I'm sorry about that. <laughs> no, she, she before everybody got it going on and everybody was humping and pumping, I thought about all of you. The Bible says, I knew you. No, he said before you were formed, before you, before you were conceptualized, before the, the, uh, the, the, the egg and the sperm met each other. You, I knew you. Let's focus on that scripture for a second. He said, I knew you intimately. I knew who you were. I know who you're going to be. I knew your calling. I knew your assignment. I didn't just think about your assignment because you went through some trauma and because you went through that trauma, you think that's what you're called to do. Some people think their trauma is the license to go do something that they're not really called to do. Just because you enter an abusive relationship doesn't mean you're called to help abuse victims. It's okay to do that, but I'm bringing out a point of how God planned out your life before you were born. Come on. Good. Right, Pastor said, this is why, Pastor said that you were in the mind of God before everything took place. That's why he told Job in Job chapter 38. He said, where were you when the foundations were formed? Tell me if you have understanding. He said to Job, tell me, do you know where you were? God was trying to show him something. You were somewhere. But do you know? Now, thank God, because of Christ, we know we were in the heart and mind of God. Right? I'm, I, I'm building a point here. But then he, and he also says that Christ was planned, preordained before the world ever existed. I see mankind going to need a savior. Let me get them ready for the savior. Mankind going to need help. Let me get them ready. So God always has a plan of provision before the need comes. This is why in the book of Exodus, this morning I got this, I got this revelation. I woke up at 3 in the morning. I'm like, babe, God spoke to me. I got something for the people. She said, what is it? And we were talking about it. 
So in a book of Exodus, um, that's why it's good to have a wife, right? Um, uh, um, so um, uh, 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 they, they're, 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 the children of Israel in Egypt, um, the Egyptians said, yo, these guys are growing. They're getting bigger. They're multiplying. They're strong. Unless they go uh, or, or uh, just in case they decide to side with our enemies, let's make them slaves now. We're going to make them slaves. They become slaves for several centuries. Uh, and one of the years as their slaves, Moses is born. Um, I can borrow your phone. Are you turning for me to Exodus chapter 2? Um, Moses is born. I want, I want you to catch this. We, we're talking about the, the provision being created before the need. In chapter 2, it says here, And a man of the house of Levi went, took as wife a daughter of Levi, so the woman conceived and bore a son. And when she saw that he was beautiful, a beautiful child, she hid him three months. She had to hide him because Pharaoh said, um, the, 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 uh, the, the children of Israel, they're strong, they're, they're lively. As a matter of fact, let's just kill the, the men. Any, any, any boy that's born, we're going to kill it. Let the woman stay alive. So they, they see Moses, he's beautiful, and they decide to hide him. Um, they hide Moses, they put him in a, a riverbank, an Egyptian, um, uh, Pharaoh's sister sees him, I believe it's Pharaoh's sister, um, she sees him, and she takes Moses as her own child, and she begins to raise Moses up. This is in Exodus chapter 2. Moses is already born. I want you to catch what I'm going to bring out to you. Moses is already born. At the end of chapter 2, now it happened in the process of time that the king of Egypt died. Then the children of Israel groaned because of their bondage, because of their slavery, because of their oppression, and they cried out, and their cry came up to God because of the bondage. So God heard their groaning, and God remembered his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac, with Jacob, and God looked upon the children of Israel, and God acknowledged them. He acknowledged them here, but mind you, Moses was born or before this acknowledgement. Then in chapter 3, he goes to Moses and says, Moses, you're going to deliver the children of Israel. Moses' existence or the plan of God did not start when, God, when they called out to God. Think about that. He's being born in the midst of their troubles. They cry out to God, and God says, okay, they're ready. Go get them out. <laughs> this shows us that God's plan for your life does not, is, not, is not created when you turn 25, Amen. when you graduate from college. God's plan for your life starts from the, from the very beginning of time, actually, but before time. Before the found, time is one of the foundations of the world, of the earthly realm. In, eternity, in, in eternity, there is no time. It's eternal. That's why God is existence itself. But in the earth realm, there is time. So before time began, you were thought about. So all that you are. So sometimes Satan will bring trauma into our lives just to throw us off course. Yes. Like you try to do with Moses. If you, if you study the story of Moses, oh, you study the story of Moses, uh, 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 he tried to throw Moses off, but God is there saying, come back. You're going to help these people. And it's funny. God came to him. He's an old man. What does that tell us? There is no expiration date on the plan of God for your life. Amen. Amen. I know the police department says you got to be 35 years old. Amen. I know the army says, listen, you're too old. You ain't doing enough pull-ups. 
can't be a part of this. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know how they, I know how the world thinks. I know how even um, I'm 40 years old, so I can see as I'm getting older, the 20-year-olds they're looking at me like, "Yeah, you're old, man." And I'm like, "I'm not old, bro. What are you talking about?" Um, Christopher is at school and he says, "Yeah, I rizzed up the. Uh, they want me to rizz up the girl." I'm like, "What, what does that mean?" So I'm like, I'm like troubled. I'm like, what is Riz? I'm trying to find out what Riz is. I'll tell you, tell the pastor about it. Like, what is this Riz? And, I, and then I go to pick him up from school. Dad, Dad, wait across the street. Uh, I'm going to be with my friends right now. Don't, just hide, hide around the corner. Whatever. Oh so I'm like, now hold on. I know, yo, listen, man. I, I, know, yo, I, I know I'm not that old. <laughs> I know I'm not. But the reason why I'm bringing up because that's how the world sees us. You, they see you at a certain age, you're obsolete. Yes. You got to be very careful. And this is, you don't want to make that your reality. That's right. um, um, never make that your reality. I saw a documentary on blue zones, and they were talking about how they're in these blue zones, there are people who live 100, 110. And by the way, one of the things they, on a side note, one of the things they said that contributed to living that long was community. Please never forsake community. One thing I love about churches is that they provide that community, that support. Since the pandemic, Satan has been fighting to keep people home, to watch online, because he knows if I get you away from people, slowly but surely, I'll deteriorate your social life. Slowly but surely, I can attack your heart. And slowly but surely, slowly but surely I can cause you to see everybody as an enemy or everybody's trying to judge you. You see that? We live in a world now where watch out for your friends. <laughs> they may be your enemies. They're smiling in your face, but they don't really like you. Some, some type of nonsense people are saying. That's a stupidity. It's, it, it, and you, I mean, you have to be very wise of how Satan is trying to make us go into isolation. You've got to be very wise, especially if God is giving you friends. I go through it too. Sometimes um, um, thoughts will come. But my wife, like, no, my wife is not my enemy. My wife is my friend. This is my friend. We're not comp competing with each other. You know, but, but that's the plan of the enemy. If I can get you guys to not work together, I can then attack the home. I can attack the children. And then I can take this child and I can bring him through years of disappointment where he tells other people, don't follow God. My parents weren't a good example. You see how that works? So relationships and community are so, so important. Please, please do not fall for the okie doke. Please, please do not fall for it. Amen. Um, I've I, seen on social media all this, this talk about your friends maybe hating you. This is nonsense. I still got friends from elementary school, man. Like, we, are, do people still have friends from elementary school? Yeah. Is that over? You, you still got your thing? God, keep them. Amen? <laughs> oh, keep your circles tied. No, man. You got millionaires and billionaires meeting new people every day, making new friends, shaking hands, and they just growing in wealth. And we like, oh, no, I got to gotta watch out, man. I don't think that person likes me. <laughs> And then worst, worst of all, worst of all, yo, I feel that vibe, I feel that energy. That energy, that son of us, that energy don't feel right. Man, shut up. You don't know anything about energy. No, we, people are really ignorant when it comes to vibes and energy. You'd be surprised. They think that a, somebody could be happy, happy. Oh, it's too happy for me. My son ain't right about that. No, something, uh-uh. Mm-mm. Nah, nah. He, no, no, no. And then I do realize in Christendom, there's some Christians who do need to, they need a correction and need mind renewal. I do recognize that because some Christians do misbehave towards other Christians, but the Bible tells us to forbear with one another and to forgive one another and to love one another because he knows if the body is separated, they cannot work together. 
uh, I'll just make one claim. I'm not in agreement with what's going on in the Middle East. I know there's some Christians that are. Uh, um, uh, uh, I, I don't understand everything, but I do recognize the unity amongst the people of Israel. I said, this is a, these guys attacked, and all across the board, they're attacking anybody who's from Palestine. And then if you talk against it, oh, you, you're pro-Hamas. But what are they doing? They're like, we're going to stick together. We're not going to allow the world to separate because they understand the oracles and covenants of God. Remember, the oracles were given to them first. And they knew God told them, make sure you stick together because if you don't, you're going to be in trouble. And they're, they're still practicing that. So now the church, we have to practice that more so. And we have to set the example for the world that, listen, you're here to have friends. The oppression, listen, as pastors, you'd be surprised how many people die alone. How many men, they're so proud, they won't humble themselves to make friends. How many women are so proud, they won't humble themselves to make friends. People are dying. Dying alone is scary. When you see someone at their funeral and only a few people show up, you don't want that. And I'm not talking about, not talking about older people, because older people is different. Usually their friends all have gone, gone away. We got young people, you in your 40s or 50s, you're dying, and no one's there for you. There's something, something, something went wrong in your life. You see that? Or, or you're in your, 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 your 40, 50, your 30, and no one comes to visit you in a hospital. No one's calling you to check up on you because you have isolated yourself. And I know this well because amongst African parents, well, my parents from Sierra Leone, they are known, they are big time, they know how to be offended, man. They practice offense. <laughs> you got an uh, African, my mother, oh, I won't talk to my sister for 30 years. I'm like, I met my cousins when I was in my um, uh, 28, 29. My mom wants me to be best friend. Like, mom, my, my friendships have already been formed. It's too late for that. Like, I'll, I'll, I'll be cool with them, but you can't expect me to be so close. We're all adults now. We have separate lives. But because of offense, they have separated themselves. So I want to encourage you to be very careful. Guard your relationships. Guard your friendships. Be very careful and be careful not to misread actions or behaviors from your friends. Sometimes an honest conversation can put away a lot of offense and unforgiveness. Hey, how you feeling? What's going on? Let's talk about it. All right, cool. You know what I mean? Uh, um, um, but, but uh, sorry? What, what did I just say? Okay, okay, honest conversations can do away with Offenses, offenses and unforgiveness. Amen? So please, 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 please. I see you talking. Hey, your wife is not your only friend, okay? You're going to have other friends, right? Right? Okay, good, good. I want to make sure. That, that, that don't count. Your wife is your friend, and you have other friends here, okay? All right, good. I want to make sure. <laughs> I'm only playing. Pastor Josh got a lot of friends. Okay, now, in relationships, in friendships, so God provides for need. He says, for he so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. So love, we know, gives. Love does not just take and receive, it gives. Uh, uh, one of the best things we can do for each other is to give. One of the best things we can do for God is to give. Uh, I want to say this. Do you know one of the reasons why you should be a tither? The Bible says you are made in the image and likeness of God. Keyword, image, likeness. Image, likeness. If you know anything about the AI industry, image and likeness is the talk of the town. Because a lot of artists, actors, whoever they are, they're concerned that these AI robots are gonna start using their what? Image and likeness. Oh, wow. So if you're gonna use it, I gotta get paid off for that. <laughs> I gotta get some money. There was a kid from, um, he, was a, he was a basketball player in college 
he looks up one day, he's playing a video game, and he sees his image and likeness. Calls up some lawyers, goes into a lawsuit, he gets paid. But imagine you here, you go to a video game, or you see an a, 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 a artificial model that looks just like you, your resemblance. They're smiling, and they're making money off of you. They're getting paid, bread. They get, they, they're doing their thing. You're like, man, you know, uh, how much money I got? Oh, man. <laughs> They're, using, they're making money off of my image and likeness. That's why you should be a tither. Because God allows you to use his image and likeness. Wow. You see that? Wow. And he says, okay, you give me 10% and some. It, it, oh, tithing is not in the law. Tithing started. Abraham, why would Abraham tithe when there was no law? Because he had a revelation of, I know what you're doing for me. I know where you're taking me. I know where you're leading me. Yeah. We're, we're in covenant with each other. It's okay for me to give. It's okay for me to bless. You see that? You want to bring that out um, as I'm getting ready to close. Um, uh, now, there was a woman, uh, a, a woman, this woman, um, her and her husband were, uh, they were furniture, uh, her name, their names are Barry and Julie Scaffer. They were, they were into the furniture business. And their, their uh, thing was to polish, we're talking about need. Their thing was to polish wood, but the, 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 the thing that they used to polish the wood was toxic. So toxic that she had three miscarriages. Three miscarriages. And she said, I can't do this. And um, they're like, we gotta, okay, we're gonna find a way. So they're, they're researching. They're calling up people from different countries. They're trying to find a water, oil-based product that is not toxic, that will help them polish up the furniture. They didn't find anything. Finally, they give their life to Christ. They start going to church, she gets pregnant. While she's at work, she starts bleeding. Said, I can't do this. I'm gonna lose this child. I'm gonna go home and I'm gonna lay on my couch and I'm not gonna leave my couch till I have this baby, but I'm not gonna leave my couch till God gives us an answer about how we can continue our business where it's safe and profitable. She stays home for a number of months. The husband will go home, help her out, feed her, whatever. She's praying in the spirit, praying, praying, praying. Finally, the Lord speaks to her, gives her a sequence of numbers and says, go give this to your, a sequence of numbers, go get this to your husband. He takes it. Now, mind you, he's not, in, he's not a chemistry major. He didn't take chemistry. But the moment he heard it, he knew in the spirit, I know what that is. He took those, those sequence of numbers. He puts it together and they now created their order all base wood polishing furniture that was not toxic. Wow. Um, just like that, God provided for their need. And I'm bringing this out because God is beyond the bill stages. Bills are easy to, to pay, really. Yeah. You need help, you can actually borrow money to pay your bills now. Use a credit card to pay your bills. I don't, don't, I'm not saying do that, but God is past that. God is into the idea stage, into the dominion stage. Yeah. But what the woman did was she had to seek the Lord. She had to see herself as I'm a new creation in Christ Jesus. This is my new reality. Number two, she had to see herself as relationship is his purpose. I'm in a relationship with God. And number three, she had to see that God will provide for my need. Long story short, their business is flourishing. They're doing well. Eventually, a, a, a businessman uh, uses their product and his entrepreneurial mind starts working. He finds out who owns it, and he offers to buy the company. They said he paid us 
more money than we can imagine or make in our lifetime. And he sold, they sold the business off of this idea. So God provided for their needs. And when it's church, God wants to do that for us. Amen. Many years ago, Pastor Reeves had a dream about me. And in that dream, he said, I saw that you were telling people to go here because if they live there, ideas will be poured out on their heads and they'll get ideas that will make them rich. He said, I'll be able to, to do that. I'm, I'm bringing out that dream because that's what God wants to do with his church. He wants to pour out ideas. He wants to help provide for their needs. But you have to say, God, I need a vision. I need an idea. Or God, I need to be married. Who is the person for me? God, I'm having some trouble with my kids. I need you to speak to me. I need a revival in my own soul. I need a revelation. I need an insight. I need your word. I need what you are saying to me. This is what God wants us to do. It's time for us to get past the proudness. It's time for us to get past things that hold us back and to run to God for everything. We have to be humble and say, God, I need you. Some of us need to be on our knees saying, God, I need you. I need you to speak to me. I need that answer. I never forget the time when I got in trouble with the Lord. Right before I got married. I mean, right when I got, I got married. And I, um, what we did was, um, make a long story short, we were doing mortgage fraud. And I got in trouble. And um, they said, listen, you're going to have to pay a restitution of $20,000. And um, you have to also do this for a number of years. So I told the, 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 uh, the, the lawyer, not the lawyer, the DA, I said, I, I cannot afford $20,000. I'm about to be married. I'm not, I cannot afford that. You're going to pay this $20,000. That's just the way it works. Because I, I pled guilty to, to, what, to what I was doing. Because when, you, when you're dealing with paper crimes, there's no need to lie. You sign something, <laughs> your name is all over the document, you're in trouble, right? <laughs> really, really a dumb thing to do, actually. I had a friend who told me, he said, Patrick, you're really stupid. And I wouldn't, I wouldn't listen to him. I'm like, oh, man, whatever, man. But anyway, um, so um, I met Fabian's friend from Egypt. She comes and prophesied to me, you're going to have favor with the government and you're going to be trusted with many secrets. And then that was it. I know what it meant. But I said, Lord, I can't pay this. I kept asking the Lord for help. Finally, I looked up on my court case. I found out who the judge was. And I did some research on the judge. And she was a hard case. They said she shows no mercy, no leniency. She's the type where if you get in trouble two times, she put in, she's throwing a book at you. She don't care who you are. She does not play. And I was like, shoot, I'm in trouble now. Like, Lord, I need help. I'm praying, Lord, I need, I need, I need, I need help. Eventually, we go to court. I, get, I talk and I say, Miss, I want to apologize. I cannot pay. I don't care what you're saying. You're paying that money. I do not care. You're paying that money. That's it. And if I catch you back here again, da, 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 da. I'm like, okay, cool. I ain't going to worry about it. $20,000, i am going to pay. I don't care. I'm going to pay it. I get home. Several weeks pass. They present me with the, the, uh, the probation paper. And on the restitution side, it said zero. Wow. God answered my prayer. Hallelujah. Amen. Yeah. Now, favor. favor. And I have uh, so many stories of God providing need, things that I, I needed. But right now, as we're closing, I want to give you an opportunity to, you can yell, just say, God, this is what I need. I need a vision for my business. I need a best-selling book. Father, I need a new camera 
to take pictures. Father, I need a new home and I need ideas to make me a millionaire. Father, I want seven figures. Father, I want eight figures. Whatever it is you need, say, God, I need that and ask him to give it to you. Don't wait for me to lead you and prompt you. Just begin to pray. Say, Father, I'm in a relationship with you. Based on what you heard today, Father, you love me and you are here.